Ooh, this is pre-daylight savings time. Good morning. That was chipper almost. Next week is like, good morning. I'm Pastor Scott. Welcome to Element 3 Church. I'm so excited to have you join us. And if you're new, we are in for a treat because we're wrapping up a sermon series. We're going to start a new one kind of an interim next week and then start a brand new one two weeks. But for today, we're going to be doing worship in, or sorry, fortune cookie wisdom, fortune cookie wisdom. I was doing worship earlier, now I'm doing the preaching thing. I'll get there eventually. Fortune cookie wisdom, we're excited to wrap up this sermon series that has been focusing on the wisdom books. And as you heard Rex do so awesomely just a moment ago, going into Jesus's parable on the builders of the sand. But before that, I have a question in church and then also for our online community, welcome. On a scale of one to 10, 10 being a diaper ninja, one being a diaper novice, where do you stand? Where do you stand? Hold up fingers if you want to. Just shout it out if you want to. All right. So there's, there's two groups of people now. The tens are like, woo, praise Jesus. I'm a diaper ninja. And then we have people who are like, yeah, online too. Online, yeah. And I, heard some, I just heard somebody say, I kind of want to stay there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, Here's, here's the trick. If I had a baby, which I don't, but if I had a baby as a prop and that baby had just soiled themselves and I had them in service right now and I handed to you, raise your hand if you're ready to take that baby. Yes, there it is, there it is. We have more diaper ninjas than we, we think, right? We, we, are, we are ready. Now, my diaper ninja dumb started with Evelyn, who's my eldest, and that child it's, it's like a science experiment. Like, what do they have to eat four hours before? And you start figuring that out. And it's a, it's a great sign. Evelyn had some interesting diapers. James was our premature baby. And his diapers were only like yay big. I tried to find one I couldn't find. Just the most like doll diapers ever. The tiniest things. And that was also a new thing. Because my giant man hands, I'm like trying to do the diaper thing. And I was struggling. Then we get to Zeke and Lily. And by the, that time, I was a diaper ninja. Like, I knew exactly how to put it on, I can't tell you how many of Evelyn's I put on backwards. You learn that quickly. There's a frontwards and the backwards, right? Did I get an amen? Yes, yes, yes. There's a frontwards and a backwards to diapers. And I also learned some tricks because certain times when you do the boy diapers, it's like being baptized, okay? If you don't do it to timing, just try it. And some of you are like, oh my gosh, Pastor Scott. Yeah, you get baptized by boys if you don't do the diapers in the correct order and the correct timing, because you have to hold the used diaper there, have the new one ready to go, and in one fluid motion, swipe, 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 zip, zip, zip. Just like that. And then you go, yeah, at the end. <laughs> yes, we're going to talk about diapers the entire service. No, we're not. No, we're not. Here's, here's the point. There is experiential wisdom that you get through doing the same action over and over and over. There's the knowledge of what a diaper does and what it's purpose for. And then there's a holy wisdom, a holy wisdom. The holy wisdom comes only from God. The experiential is from doing the thing and the knowledge is from reading in the book. I had the knowledge of how a diaper works. I had the experiential wisdom of doing it for four different kids. But then the holy wisdom is that I do that not because of the fact of I love doing diapers, I do it because I love my children. And my children were a gift from God and are a gift from God. And if I had to, I would change diapers for their entire lifetimes because of the love I have for them. That's the holy wisdom. We're gonna be dealing with all three of these phases as we wrap up this sermon series. There's a knowledge, there's a experiential wisdom, and then there's the holy wisdom. 
And they're three different things. But the funny thing also we need to point out is that diapers don't apply equally to every person. As an example, some of us are in a life stage where this illustration hits home very powerfully. I just did a diaper 10 seconds ago, perhaps. Others have a very different response to the illustration. Not every person can hold and understand wisdom equally and with equal footing. Not every sermon illustration, every story will be understood by all its listeners. Whether it be this or something more profound like disease, death, or even birth, not all of us can equally understand, no matter how hard we try, another person's experience. Regardless of example, I want to illustrate the differences between knowledge, learned wisdom, and the holy wisdom as we close out this sermon series. We've talked about wisdom and wise living in very poignant and practical ways over eight weeks. Today, I want to challenge us in our approach because until you act on wisdom, it's only potential and has zero application. Some of us, just like to diapers, will react differently to this sermon. Some of us have deep hurts from the past years that I've only begun to understand because I wasn't a part of those deep hurts. Some of us have been, you've been diaper changers. Some of us have had joy in what they've seen occur in this church over the past months and years. And some, unfortunately, may be indifferent or apathetic. E3 has lost much, has gained much wisdom in this past season of life. Amen? And now we see the first fruits of the new season that we're in. Baptisms, dedications, professions of faith, and a new batch of wonderful folk who I'm excited about joining our community in this testimony of however they're long here for. They may not have come for the same experiential wisdom, but their presence, and including my own, will change and transform our church. Regardless of the experiential wisdom, and no matter what stage of life you're in, the station that you're in, the wisdom you've learned up to this point, it is in my listening and observation that many of us are challenged in the plethora of topics from this series. Diversity, sex, pain and suffering, technology, all have touched a nerve. And the reason I know this is because many of you have reached out. <laughs> See, there's three different types of sermons. There's a sermon that everybody's angry at you about and you lose your job. I haven't done one of those yet. But just wait, it might be next week. There's a sermon where you leave and you say, that was a nice sermon, but I have no feedback for the pastor. And there's, there's a sermon where you email on Monday. The last ones are my favorite ones because it means that you're wrestling with something. And you may be right. You may be right that the pastor needs to hear it. And I have, and there's times where I need to hear it. But the point of the matter is that it means that you're taking what was said and putting it into practice, and that's what God wants. And that's what this sermon and this uh, parable is all about. Let's go into the Sermon on the Mount real quickly. Jesus is on the side of a mountain. And on this side of the mountain, he talks to all of his followers, thousands. I don't know how the acoustics work. I don't know what kind of sound system he had, but everybody can hear. And what's interesting is in his context, he's talking about all of the Old Testament, the entire Old Testament, and reappropriating it for his teaching. He keeps saying the phrase, you have heard it said, you have heard it said, you have heard it said. And he takes things like money, prayer, fasting, and he totally transforms it for the listeners of the day in very uncomfortable ways. 
And what happens, we see, is at this point, this is the wrap-up of the Sermon on the Mount. We find it in Matthew 7, 24. He says this, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew, and they beat against the house. Yet it did not fall because it's had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like the foolish man who builds his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the wind blew against and beat the house, and it fell with a great crash. In my prior experience, coming from Nebraska, this parable doesn't have the same application it does here in Florida. Right? Yeah. I've been down to the coast many, many a time now. I love it. It's beautiful. But there's these houses that are built on sand, and, you know, waves come, the streams rise. You call them what? Hurricanes? Yeah. And those, those houses, there's still some houses that are, you know, looking like the leaning tower of Pisa. Yeah? That they're just, they're just not built on the foundation that's secure. Meanwhile, there are some houses you go around, and you say, okay, this house withstood the hurricane. Now, I'm not trying to pick at any scabs anybody may have. But this is so plain, not only to your ears, but to the ears of Jesus' followers. They didn't have Allstate, State Farm, or any other insurer in their world. And they had one chance to build one house. And that foundation that you build that house upon was so important because their entire way of life was built around that house. And they also had storms. And they also had catastrophes. But they didn't have an insurance agent to come restore what they had. And so they had to very wisely pick the foundation of their footing And so Jesus uses this, speaking to these crowds, and they're amazed, amazed at what he said because he had a teacher who spoke with authority and not as the teachers of the law who normally spoke to them. So what I want to do this morning is to take these past few weeks and to build, for lack of a better term, a person of great wisdom, a person who edifies what building on this foundation of rock and not on a foundation of sand would look like in 2022. To use an old, oh man, I can't believe I said old. That means I'm old. To use an old show as an example, I want to build the $6 million man, okay? Some of you know this show. Some of you are like, huh? Apparently, they're going to make a $6 billion man. I'm serious. Mark Wahlberg was going to be that guy, and it's never got funded. But this $6 million man, how many of you know the show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he wasn't a, a person, he was a robot man. And in my mind's eye, the CGI and the special effects were unbelievable. Go to the next slide. I mean, this, this is what I remember as a kid, like, oh, I want to be this guy. And now I look at him like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I thought that was real. But I did. He was, he was, he was remade with robots and he could do cool things like jump over you know, buildings and throw cars, and, you know, things that I normally do every day. And what happens is I would like to take wisdom and in fact build, so to speak, a a wise person. So let's start. At the very beginning of the sermon series, we said a person of wisdom has a visible outside life that appears to be devoted to prayer and holiness. Visible outside life that appears to be devoted to prayer and holiness. Active in their community and their church in seen ways. A person of wisdom is engaged and active in other people's lives. And you can just tell that prayer edifies out of them. But also, inverse to that, but also very true, is that it's an invisible life. Number two, an invisible life that you cannot see dedicated to Christ. There are celebrity engagement where these celebrities go out and they do cool things for the community. They help out. And you know they're doing it not for the people they're serving, but for who? Yeah. 
And, and a person who is a wise person doesn't do it for themselves. They do it for the thing they believe in. We don't do serve on Saturday morning, serve Tallahassee. We don't build ramps. We don't go to countries like Guatemala and Uganda and Haiti because of us. We do it because of who? Jesus Christ and God, yeah. Whatever you just mumbled, it was all perfect, by the way, church. It's like the, the old Sunday school. Every answer is Jesus, okay? Until I tell you differently. Six million dollar man. No, it's Jesus, okay? We do that, but we serve because we, we love Jesus Christ. This is both a knowledge. We use scripture. We come to church to understand Jesus better, and so we go out and serve people, and we pray, and we try to be holy in the way we live our lives, both visibly and invisibly. You can tell a person who has a vibrant prayer life, both publicly on stage and at home where no one's watching. There's something about their spirit that just edifies and emanates that. Third, an understanding and holy understanding of suffering. Pastor Mike did an amazing job going through the book of Job and also weeks ago in Ecclesiastes, where there are just things in our world that do not make sense. They don't line up with the way we know they should be. It's actually a proof for God that I can imagine what life should be like. It should be without pain and suffering, death, sorrow, injustice, tragedy. And because I have this holy sense of what life should be like, but life is actually completely different. My arms don't go quite big enough for the sermon example. It should be here, but it's actually here. It means there's a God who's telling me what it should be like and inviting me in this process of making a world that I believe it should be like. Four, this $6 million wise person values diversity and diverse opinions and thoughts. Basically, they, they value people. And persons who believe or act or look or dress or have anything that's different than me isn't seen as a threat. It's seen as something to embrace and learn from. Boy, our culture gets this all backwards, doesn't it? That if, if they vote or think or look or act or dress different than me, except on Saturdays at game day time, that's okay. Because that's fun. If, if, they, if they dress different than me, then I should immediately think of them as different than me and they're not good. Our churches, Big C Church in America right now, embrace that mantra so instinctively, it's very scary. That, that if you're not a insert title here, denomination name or, or whatever you'd like to, to think of as a church member, then you're an outsider. You're outside the box that I create. And so therefore, I have to be wary and worried about that, that somehow the, you may assert my power. You may somehow think that you're better than me, and so then I'm worse than you. And that's just not what a wise person is. E3, and I'll say this from the stage, E3 is a diverse church, but friends, we need to be even more diverse and embrace the diversity of people in Tallahassee. Wait for someone to say amen. There we go. Thank you. You got it. You got it. That was a good amen. And that, that, that vein and that thought, as I've become the newcomer and looking through the values of E3, it needs to be listed out very plainly that diversity is a value of our community. Wait for amen. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. 
one of our core values needs to be diversity. We have a, there we go. <laughs> Maribel for the win. Out in our lobby, we have our values listed on the beautifully listed on those boards. And what I'd like you to do is walk through, and there's inherently diversity listed as a core value, but it needs to be very clearly listed out, D-I-V-E-R-S-I-T-Y. Whatever font, whatever maker made those, we need to have that added. And I'm going to commit to adding that as a core value to Element 3 Church. Lastly, number five. This person has to have a living in the world mentality, but not of the world mentality. This takes several sermons where we talk things like sex, to be blunt. How we use technology in our worlds. And a person who's not prone to wealth, who's not obsessed with having things and wealth, because we're not running a business here. We, we are, have to be in the world and understand how the world works, but not of the world. And so that may mean that I embrace and I engage the world differently than somebody else who does across the aisle from me. And yet, and yet, and yet, I seek Christ in all that I do and how I can be in the world, but not of the world. Now, as you look at these five points, the irony here is this, that we cannot build a wise person. A wise person learns this wisdom by knowledge and application and trial and error and listening for the Holy Spirit. Moreover, a wise person knows they are not wise but also realizes that they have much to learn at the same time. Every wise person realizes that in some way they are a fool. Hear this. Wisdom, true wisdom, if we could list out these five things, comes from the Spirit of God through the work and freedom found in Jesus Christ. True wisdom is found in following Jesus. And so instead of trying to build a wise person, can we acknowledge that we all become wiser by following Jesus more vibrantly, with more humility, and with a desire to follow him? What, what I, it's just to be the amen church now. I just, I don't even know what I did, but I appreciate it. It's a good amen to have. What I want to see E3 become is a community of wisdom in a foolish world. A community of wisdom in a foolish world. That we are knowledgeable, but moreover, that we edify these qualities of the five things in all that we are. We've taken some lumps and we will continue to make mistakes. I am not perfect. Ask my children. But we have a holy wisdom that guides our work. And when we make mistakes, we can say, I messed up. Please forgive me. What I want us to look like is a community that looks like this. And yes, you're rolling your eyes, some of you saying, I've seen this image so many times, Pastor Scott, but it takes us a while to get this image in our mind's eye. That we are not a community who has a bounded set saying that we are the insiders, we're E3ers, we get it, we have special membership cards, but no, instead, that we are all outsiders outside of Jesus Christ. And Jesus at the center either draws us closer to him through an invitation to holy living, or we find ourselves moving away from Jesus because of the actions and the ways in which I live my life. So it's not so much that, that I somehow can say that I'm closest to Jesus because even me, being pastor of a church, have a lot of room to grow closer to him. Just like all of us do. And not one person can say, I'm too far away from Jesus to be rescued by his love. No. 
even the person who feels like they're the worst person in the entirety of the human race. And you may be that. I mean, just being blunt, you may be the worst person ever. Jesus can still rescue you. We are called not to build walls around Christ, but to bring all persons into that closer relationship with Jesus. For our church, we need leaders who will edify these qualities in their daily and church lives. I found that through my short time here, the Wise Council, as it consists of right now, does just that. I'm thankful for the work they've done, both in bringing me here, thank you, Wise Council, and for the entire church of being a church who seeks wisdom and not earthly power and understanding. In a season where there is much controversy, division, and some unwise decisions, I know that they've worked selflessly and tirelessly to bring a new season about. We know that there's some experiential wisdom that's grown through having a church. Churches can be messy institutions. They can be worse than families even. But we need people who will bring unity to wise living in all they do. Currently, I want to put their screen, names on the screen so you know who they are, in case you don't know. Uh, Charlie Vancher, Dan Bellamy, Mary Coffey, Karen Gibbons, and Rex Ware. After three years, based on the Constitution, their term is up. And so Charlie is going to be rotating off this year. And we're going to be looking for two new people to join this wise council and to be persons, $6 million people of wisdom, to join this, not out of selfishness, but selflessness. We need your trust and your unity in bringing forth candidates and know that we will interview those who we feel called are E3 for this particular season. There's a lot of talent in terms of wise people here at this church. I would even say disproportionate for the size of church that we are. And there's a lot of passion here. We need unity in bringing a better church for the season we're going into. Because the season we're going into in this world is not an easy season for a church to exist. In this season of being a church, we have a culture who wants to rip everyone apart and to segment us into certain groups based on our outsideness versus what's going on inside and the wisdom that springs forth from the work of the Holy Spirit. In the coming weeks, we'll ask for candidates, not for a popularity-like vote, but to serve in a wisdom-filled way that a church who needs wise leaders. I see lots of amazing signs of growth here at E3. At our owners' meeting, we'll talk through rehabbing the youth area, creating a fellowship space in what was the old Belly Boutique, and we appreciate their great work here over the years in which they were tenants. Continuing to see our attendance rise, adding an extra service potentially, seeing multiple growth groups and new staff come into our community. I see so many opportunities for need addressed by our ministry, including mentorship, sobriety, feeding through Serve Tallahassee. Down the road, seeing new parts of Tallahassee engaged with the people God has called us to be. This only comes through asking God for a holy wisdom found in Jesus Christ. We'll not build this church upon the spirit of the age, no. Like sand from the parable that Jesus gave of growth mantras, silly programs, or kitschy ideas that seem to fix all our problems for that moment. We will find unity with one another through authentic community, bearing within others strengths and weaknesses. We will worship and sing with one another and see worship flowing through our very veins. 
and upon the solid rock of Jesus Christ, we will wisely serve our city and world in profound and wonderful ways. E3 will be a church that boldly makes disciples by serving, worshiping, and connecting with one another and the spirit of the Lord, which gives us a divine wisdom. In that, let us sing praise to God for this amazing and wise, wonderful truth. As our worship team comes out, I want to encourage you to lift up your, your voices. And even if you sing off rhythm on this next song, that's kind of new to all of us, including myself, that we would sing not for the sake of singing the right words or the right rhythms, but sing out of a joy that Christ Jesus has come and given us a holy wisdom to be a people not set apart, but a people called to be Jesus's own body, hands, feet, mouth, eyes, in a world that so badly needs his presence. Jesus doesn't sit alone, apart, or in one particular place, but Jesus is vibrantly moving in the city of Tallahassee, in the country of Guatemala, in a country that so badly needs relief and help and love in the country of Haiti, and even to remote places like Uganda, where we have called so many missionaries. We are called to be Jesus' hands, feet, entire bodies to a world who so desperately needs him. We must unify around that central truth as we sing together. I'm gonna ask Julie May to come up and pray for us as we transition to the next time of worship and to close our, song, our service with this song. Will you all pray with me? Father God, thank you so much for just the, the servants that you have put in our community who have, who have brought us to where we are today. We just thank, their, thank you for their hearts. And we ask, Lord, that you stir inside of us just that desire to serve you, your church, in this world. That you would just raise up new leaders in our church as well, in our community, to continue this work, to take it to this next, next phase, Lord. Lord, I just pray that most of all you put that put that unity in our hearts above all else. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you're able and you want to stand as we finish and close in worship, that's great. <laughs>